So her and the client were very pally pally. She basically worked with the client and the, she technically got the client to request for me to be removed. And they put it down to a personality clash. So I said, hold on a minute, let me get some up. When my boss came to speak to me, white man, of course, he was very like, oh, didn't really know how to say this, very awkward. So I said, let me, let me ask you something, right? You've employed me to do a job, yeah? I do the job. Where does personality come into anything? As far as I'm concerned, that's a personal reason, right? That's a personal excuse. He hasn't said anything about what performance I've, I've made them lose or any money that I've made them lose, any revenue, any, you know, customer awareness, any engagement. None of the things that you've employed me to do has she commented on that I've created a lack. So when you're coming to tell me that she's requested for me to be removed off the account of a personality clash, because the first thing you said to me is, Oh, I don't want you to take this personal. I said, I, like, I, <laughs> It's in the words, personal personality, right? Like, how, how does that make sense? Every Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss? Or is it something else? Because not every else a loss. So sit back, relax, and do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of Every Health Podcast where we have different people come on and talk about their stories, what happened, how to navigate the situation. And was the situation actually an L or was it something else? Because let's be honest, we all found ourselves in a position where we'd like things to go a certain direction. It didn't happen. And we then reacted. That reaction may have felt right at the time, but ultimately looking back in hindsight as days, weeks, months have gone by, was it a complete L or was it something else that you may not have seen at the time? I'm so honored and so actually grateful to have this individual come on because a lot of you guys know I only have people on that I kind of vibe with I talk to and I get it however this individual I haven't really spoken to much however and this is a little trick for any of you guys that want to potentially come on as a guest they did give me some feedback on the episode and it was nice that they were engaging that way because I pour so much effort into these episodes that to get any form of feedback positive please I sort of cling on to and I, I run with it and this person was engaging. They just seemed like a vibe, a really good one. And then eventually they, I also do a jump on. They, they'll kind of say yes. We then actually had a bit of a call beforehand. And I promise you, after having a conversation, I didn't for one minute feel like I was drained. I felt that, you know what? That energy was matched because I'm not depleted. I'm not over the top. I am just my day still continued. It wasn't a speed bump. It was just calm. And it's very, it's very hard to come across those situations with people that you've never met before. And especially when you look at the social media apps that are out there, a lot of the people are toxic or the things they post and say oh, is a little bit eh, that way inclined. But to be able to find someone that you just click and get on with, yes, we may not be the best of pals going forward, but that's calm because I can't be the best pals of everybody. That's just, that's, that's, that's life. But the time that we've met, the conversation we've had, I've enjoyed it. I've learned stuff. It's, it's challenged me, it's stretched me. And that's what you want in a relationship. You want to be stretched in all those ways because complacency can be very dangerous for a lot of us. 
But anyway, I say all that to say this. I have Cara on, who is a lovely individual. She seems nice enough from the time she's presenting herself to me. She could be lying to me for all I know. But in this conversation, we'll actually find out what the crack is. So if you don't mind, do you mind coming on, just sharing a little bit about yourself, what you feel comfortable saying, and then we'll go into your L's. Wow. I mean, you threw in quite a lot of disclaimers, you know. Why are you saying that you're trying to tell the people that I'm not a good person indirectly, directly? I have to let the people know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see where we, where we end up at the end of this episode, yeah? Indeed. Anyway, thank you for the introduction. It's very nice. Um, equally, I did not feel drained or depleted when we had our conversation. I guess we'll see how things go since you want to throw in direct, but it's fine. Wow. <laughs> Yes, as Matt mentioned, my name is Cara. They also know me as KM Scribbles. I am an artist manager. So I manage two talents at the moment, Hayley Cassidy and Tanisha Inako. I'm also a global partnerships director. And I will say I've had a lot of life experience in this advertising industry. I'm also an entrepreneur building my own business as well. So yeah, definitely trying to get the most out of life because we are here for a short time and I'm here for a good Indeed. So despite her having lots of life experiences, she doesn't come across quite old, but you know, I could be wrong. It could be oil of you lay. Anyway. (laughs) 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 I mean, you make your assumptions and I will stick to my truths. Yeah. That works for me. That works for me. Um, but yeah, folks, as you know, I don't really know much beyond the L's that people put in to say what they want to discuss. And it's not something I've prompted them to talk about as such, because I don't know people's lives like that. Yes. Even the people that I'm close with, I know their lives, but I don't know their lives to the umpteenth degree. There's things that remain in the dark or hidden from me. And that's fine. We've all got those. So when I have people say, what do you want to talk about? It's because I want them to talk about something they feel comfortable disclosing and talking at length about because I feel there's value in some of the stuff they have to share through life lessons. I've gone through things, you've gone through things, everyone's gone through things, but I think some of the topics are pretty much taboo. The important ones are taboo. And because no one's willing to share them as openly as other topics are shared, we keep falling into the same traps as individuals. And hopefully through these conversations, we can help someone connect and say, oh my gosh, maybe I can avoid doing that in my own life. But we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. So I have the first L here, which is being fired from a job through racial discrimination and manipulation. That sounds, that's deep. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking, boy, employment tribunal but then how does that stick because racial discrimination and manipulation are not tangible there yeah interested to hear a little bit about that so please start from the top where you feel it's relevant to stuff yeah um so I've been in the marketing industry for 11 years and I kind of go into that through this company that I was working at but I was working there just I left uni it was my weekend job whilst I was at uni decided to carry on because you know you leave well, for those who went to uni, leave uni, trying to figure out what you want to do next. And I thought, okay, whilst I need to, you know, I guess recoup some of the student money that I spent, I thought, let me um, let me go full time, do what I want to do. At the time, I was just working, you know, on, on the shop floor as a retail company. And I was working on the shop floor, but they had a marketing department. And one of the artists I mentioned that I manage, I was working with her and her team at the time, but I was just doing PR, wasn't really managing her yet, but I kind of got a flavour of PR and understanding how marketing worked and 
I was maybe, how old are you when you leave uni? 21? 19? Something like that. So yeah, I was around those ages trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. I had the experience of working with the artist doing PR and, and things like that. So I had, so okay, marketing might be quite interesting. I was also very tech heavy. So I was very much into tech, IT, computers. And she had a website at the time. So I went to figure out, you know, okay, you've got a website. How can people Google you? But before all of that, I was working at this company and I managed to move from the shop floor into the marketing department. And that's how I was working for some time. This was really like the same basic marketing, but this was POS, you know, doing door to door leafleting, pamphlets, shopping centers, those sorts of things. And then within that, they basically, they would give you a, a lot of different companies give you benefits, right? They give you benefits. And there's one particular benefit that they gave, which was they give you a voucher to, if you wore glasses, you could go and get your eyes tested and, you know, you can get a, you know, a glasses voucher and so forth. I don't wear glasses. Very blessed and grateful that I still have 2020 vision. Thanks to the most high. We pray it stays that way. But my mum wears glasses. And I asked a certain individual, the senior member at the time, I don't need, I can't, I can't use this voucher. It's no, of no use to me. Can I give it to someone in my immediate family? Of course, I was young, not married no children, immediate family, that is going to be your parents, no? So they said, yeah, yeah, no problem, of course. Yeah, that's fine, you know, as long as they're on on your account or anything like that, that's fine, no problem. Long story short, did that, everything seemed fine. I get pulled into the office one day and they're like, oh, so um, we understand that you've, you've committed fraud. So I'm like, sorry. And they're like, yeah, so with your obstacle voucher, we understand that you um, misused it and you've given it to a family member when you know that's strictly forbidden. So I'm sitting there um, and, and bearing in mind they had maybe four or five people talking to me. Yeah? So I got pulled into this meeting, four or five very senior, high-level people, all white men. So I'm sitting there, no one with me because they gave me no warning as to what this meeting was about. I just got called in the office. I thought it was something basic, like, oh, maybe I did do my timesheets because I never did them or anything like that. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, but I spoke to the said senior person and they said it was fine yeah, well, maybe you should have spoken to somebody else because that's, that's not okay and you've done this and now we need to recommend you. And everything was happening so fast. So at the time, of course, I'm fresh out of uni, don't have much experience in this thing, so I'm trying to understand what's really happening. And as I walk out, I hear one of them mumble, yeah, that's how you get them. So I'm, I'm like, get who? Who's them? Again, I'm very young. I'm not really... I'm understanding what's going on, but I don't really want to accept what's going on, right? Especially because I spoke to other colleagues at the time as well that... that did the same thing, used their voucher for other people and nothing seemed to happen. The only difference between me and those people is I was black and the rest of them were white. So they all got to use their voucher, no issues. I get called into here and have to do a whole meeting. At this point, I had witnesses and they basically said that I lied about the whole thing. I didn't ask permission. I didn't tell anybody. And, and when I went to go and use the voucher, I was basically saying that this has to be used. And I was basically pushing it forward and I was forcing the transaction, basically, which was not the case. In the end, that meeting happened. They fired me. They do this really humiliating thing where when they fire you, they march you out of the building. So they escort you off the premises. So that happened to me. So then interestingly that you mentioned tribunal, because I then thought this is not okay. Again, I'm very young. So I'm looking into all of this. Of course, my family are, you know, up in arms. This is not okay. So then I looked into the tribunal. But I mean, little old me, big, massive company. So I'm thinking, okay, yes, I went to Citizen Advice Bureau, got some advice. You know, they kind of told me what to do. But essentially, I was kind of on my own, right? And any legal fees that I may have had to inquire. I think at the time, there were some sort of grants that would, I guess, pay for your legal fees, but only if you won. So if I didn't win, then 
facing a hefty bill, right? I went to the hearing and all these kind of things. Not the hearing. I went to a meeting. They made me come to a meeting. My stepdad came with me. They was just, again, given the same spiel, the same verbiage. And it, it was just, it was very toxic. And I think that was my first time that I realised, because I always had conversations with my family and my mum kind of prepared me for certain things and my grandma, you know, faced, especially with my grandma, what she faced and my grandparents. But for me, I guess that was the first time I really faced resistance from racism, basically. So after that happened, in the end, they knew I was trying to take them to tribunal, but they were putting a lot of pressure on me, like a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure. And I just, I just couldn't handle it, to be honest with you. I just, I couldn't handle it because it was... It was pressure in a way where it was very new, unfamiliar territory territory for me. And I just didn't really know which way to turn. And like I said, little old me, massive big company. That's my mum says. They're all in cahoots together with each other. And obviously singing from the same hymn book because they essentially set me up. And the reason why, when I look back on it now, is because I was one of those employees that would always challenge the manager. So the manager was a bit of a bully. And he would always say, do this, blah, blah. And I would say, well, no, because this is how something should be done. Or I was always the one to challenge whatever he may have said he probably didn't like that of course which is why they probably just wanted to push me out anyway push came to shove I dropped the tribunal case and then they they decided to offer me my job back but not the same job so they offered me my job back but back to the beginning so they basically demoted me and put me back to square one so remember I said I worked my way up to move into the marketing department and then they just basically yeah (laughs) offered me my job back but it was ridiculous so I accepted and then I went back and then on my first day I quit because I said, what you're not going to do is you're not going to put down on record that I've been fired from a job unlawfully. You're trying to mask it over and act like you fired me rightfully. So I preferred to go back there and then I resigned. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, but so I went back for my first day and I was like, here's my resignation. And I walked out. So for me, I think that is the first L, but essentially I don't look at it as an L because that was the turning point, which then got me to the position that I'm in my life now, career wise. And I get that. Because I so after that happened, of course, I was like, oh, my gosh, what the hell? I'm unemployed. I've never not been unemployed. I come from a family of you've always had a job. I started working at, like, 16. You know, grandma and family raised me, always have your own things. You know how it goes? Yeah. Um, so I was in a bit of a limbo, and I was like, what do I do? And I remember my best friend at the time was like, what's wrong with you? Because I was going out all the time. She's like, you're living like you have – like, can you relax? You're living like you actually have a job. I was out here, there and everywhere because funny enough, when they fired me, I got a little bit of, not a payoff, but they paid, I earned more than I ever did working there, if that makes sense. Because you know you get paid for your holiday. Yeah. They pay you like your holiday day and your sick days and your blah, 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 blah. So when I saw the money, I was back in them days. Now, not big, but back in them days, I was like, oh, okay. So I was I was just living very silly and recklessly for, for a while. But And then within that time, I just started doing little jobs here and there just to try and get money in. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then, as I mentioned before, because I was working with the singer that I manage now and she was getting her website built and so forth, I decided to look into and understand, okay, you're getting a website, but people need to make sure they can Google you. Like, let's see how they can Google you. And, you know, let's look at that. And but again, didn't really know what I was speaking about, but I was always very into tech. So I was always that child from young figuring stuff out. I did IT at GCC, IT at A-level. So it was always, you know, that that kind of spiel. So yeah, so because I was doing that, I kept my CV up to date with all the stuff that I was doing with her in regards to her website and so forth. And then I remember I got a call from a recruiter the other day, which funny enough, I was speaking to my friend. I said, you know, I'm going to reach out to this guy and just thank him, you know, because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am now. I'm pretty sure his name was Barry. He called me and he said, oh, there's a position at Mothercare. RIP. There's a position at Mothercare, an SEO executive at Mothercare. 
So I said, who's SEO? What does that mean? Because <laughs> he was like, what do you mean, who's SEO? I said, what, who's SEO? So he explained it to me, SEO is search engine optimization. And he said, look, it's a new role. They haven't had somebody in that space before, but they really need someone to come and understand how to grow their organic traffic, get more of a, I guess, a wider presence on Google and all the other search engines being Yahoo and all the rest of it. And I said, okay, but I don't understand why you think that's what I can do. And he said, I've read your CV. I see what you're doing for, I can't remember the company at the time that my friend was working with, um, but for the arts that you manage. And in a long story short, he said that I was doing it without understanding I was doing it. So I said, oh, okay, great. So he helped me embellish my CV, had the interview, and then I just kind of learned on the job. And then I stayed there for about two and a half years. And that was the start of my, I guess, digital marketing career, which was back in 2012. Yeah, 2012. So I stayed there for two and a half years, figured out Obviously, then worked out what SEO was <laughs> for two and a half years. And then I realized, actually, I quite enjoy this. So how SEO works with most clients, you either work client side, so you work at the company, so Mothercare is a client, or you can work at an agency. So then I decided, oh, I want to go to an agency and learn more. When you're on the agency, you're looked at as the expert, right? So then I moved to a really big agency, really enjoyed it. But I had some advice from one of the directors at Mothercare at the time. And she said, if I can give you any advice, Whenever you're working and you kind of want to climb the ladder, as it is, she said, if you don't move up in two years, move on. So I always stayed at a position. If I didn't get promoted within those two years, I would then move on. And then when I started in the industry, I kind of wanted to, I made kind of, I set two goals. I'm very goals driven. I set two goals for myself. I said, right, now I understand what I'm doing. I don't know what who SEO is. <laughs> I decided, right, I want to get to director level and I want Apple as my client. Didn't know how I was going to do it. That's just what I decided to do. So yeah, so then I stayed at three different companies, two and a half years. I worked with a lot of different clients, which I was really quite, I guess, quite blessed and grateful to experience. Selfridges were one of my main clients that was kind of a big turning point for me. And they kind of pushed me and I guess got me to my next stage. Yeah, so I mainly worked clients I'd once. And then after that, I went to a few different agencies. And then, yeah, when I was working with Selfridges, that was my most recent company that I worked for before the company that I'm at now. And Selfridges, it was a good experience, but it was very tough, like very, very tough. And again, faced more resistance there. It's funny because when I took over that role, my boss at the time, great woman, loved her. She was really good. She kind of, she just said to me, right, you've done all this stuff. She actually took me off probation six weeks into the role. So probation is three months, right? So when I joined, she said, after six weeks, she was like, right, I want to take you off probation. And I was like, so what? And she was like, yeah, I want to take you off probation. Little did I know, she had a master plan. She was planning to go traveling. And she obviously must have saw something in me and thought, right, she, cause she was the one managing the Selfridges account at the time. So she obviously saw me and thought, right, I'm going to get Cara to take over Selfridges and I'm going to go to Vietnam for six months. So, <laughs> <laughs> so her taking me off, her, her taking my permission was great. I was like, oh my God, this, that never happened to me before, blah, blah. But it was all part of her master plan because she was like, right, I need to secure this girl from now so I can get my traveling on. Fine. No problem. So yeah, so she took my permission and then she was like, right, you need to manage Selfridges. I said, huh? I said, no, 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 but <laughs> because they, they were a massive account. They were very unique in how they brand things. They weren't, I've had experience because I used to manage, um, like I've worked with Burberry. I worked with Lips of London, RIP. Well, companies are dying, you know, it's sad times. Um, but yeah, Links of London, I had Pandora, like a lot of luxury retail clients in between the agencies that I worked for. But yeah, when with Selfridges, again, of course, would love the um, opportunity to have it on my CV, but they were quite a, a very unique client. It was very like was, the pressure was high. They were lovely people, but the pressure and you know to to drive the results, it it was just it was very high. So when she said that to me, I said, 
what do you mean? But I see how like <laughs> the hours that you're doing and you know the the work that you have to do. I'm not there yet, and she said you're there. And if you're not there, you will get there. So I was like, okay, fair enough. So yes, I took over that account, and it was good. Like it was it was actually it was hard experience. A lot of my friends and family at the time saw what it was doing to me, but I think that was probably one of my biggest growth spurts, if you want to call it that, within career and just you know emotional resilience and you know mental strength and as well as growing on the skill set of being an SEO specialist and, and so forth but it got to the point where I was like yeah I'm done I can't I can't I got that's the only company that I worked for that I got promoted whilst I was doing the selfridges work and then very grateful for the experience stuff but then after what it just it's like they changed management their side and it, it it was just getting very very tense very it was it was it was just a lot of things so I decided I wanted to leave I said, look, guys, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm out. Because it got to the point we were working like Sundays. It was it was just getting very ridiculous. Selfish said, you can't leave. I said, but I want to leave. And I, <laughs> last time I checked, this is not prison. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in a, in a nutshell, they didn't want me to leave because they realized how unique their business was. And I was the only one that knew it inside out in terms of I was leading the team. And, you know, there was just certain things that couldn't get done. So I said, guys, like, come on. Like, it's, it's never that serious. No one's going to die. Like, you will find someone and it will be okay. They didn't let me leave. So then I said to the company that I was working for, who was their agency, I said, that the only way I would stay in is if you pay me double. And they said, yeah, fine. So I said, oh. I bet you thought, I should ask this ages ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like I was like that literally how the conversation went. I was like, I'm only staying I was saying it in jest as a joke. Yeah. I said, I'm not staying unless you pay me double. They're like, Yeah, cool, no problem. I so I was like, what you, hold on. So all this time, Court K fair enough, she gave me permission. Very grateful. So you like, come on. That's see companies, guys, there's always money to be made. You don't ask, you don't get. Right. There's always money to be made. So I quit and then I said, I will come back as a freelancer and you will pay me double. Finance guy hated me. Every time I went over to him and gave him my invoice, he just used to look at me like, you're actually taking so many liberties. I said, well, I, <laughs> I said what I said. They said they would honor it. It's in my contracts. Please pay my invoice immediately. Thank you. Damn. <laughs> and that was that. So I did that for three months. And in that time, I said, I will stay for three months and then I will help. They basically made me be part of the interview process. So I had to interview someone to replace me. And I mean, it was all, I just found it right. It was just a bit facetious, but here we are. So yeah. So then after that, I quit. Well, I didn't quit. I, the contract ended again. I was a bit jobless, a bit like, whoa. But I've obviously by then I had a lot more life experience. And then whilst I was on a trip for my friend's birthday, we surprised him in Miami. I had a bit of a moment. I was like, guys, I don't have a job to go back to. Again, this is like, what, what are we doing here? But <laughs> I just had a moment, like it reality sunk in. And then I remember scrolling through LinkedIn and I got a message from a recruiter. And it was like, oh, there's a position at the company that I'm at now to run the Apple SEO account. I said, look at God. Yeah. Just like, because again, I said I wanted to get to director level and I went Apple as a client. So had a telephone interview. Literally, I was drunk. The time difference, she was messaging my friends like, who are you talking to? I was like, I, recruit. I need a job. Like, it's great. We were like in some club in Miami and um, they're messaging the recruiter. And then she said, right, we can do a telephone interview, 9 a.m., which I think was like 5 a.m. our time. I can't remember. Anyway, go back to the hotel and I'm talking on the phone. And my friends are like, who are you talking to? I said, shh, I'm having an interview. And I'm, I'm very drunk. <laughs> so I'm talking to this woman. 
And of course I knew my stuff, right? Because by this point I was how many years deep into SEO? And she was like, yeah, great. Because when cause this is a contract position as well. So it's not the full-time position. This was another contract position. Okay. So when you interview for contracts, it's obviously not as robust as when you interview for full-time, right? Long story short, they was like, right, yeah, can you start next week? I said, oh, I'm in Miami at the moment. So <laughs> two weeks? Could I see you in two weeks? No, maybe? My girl wanted Apple as a client. She's having offered Apple as a client and it says, yeah, can we just like give me a two, <laughs> two weeks buffer here? Like, let me just, just, boy, that, that, that's brave though. I, 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 hats off to you. That is brave. Right. But see, thank you. But my thing is, you can't, like, what was I supposed to do? Start working by me? I have to be honest. Cause my feel like there's one thing being brave, but you have to be honest, right? Yeah, so, you, you're drunk doing an interview. So I'm thinking at this point, you could do everything. Um, but I think, like, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like because with selvages, you said, pay me double mm-hmm. and I'll stay. Mm-hmm. And it went, okay. Mm. It felt like, and again, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong. It just felt like, rah, I'm in Miami. Can we make it two weeks? Uh, <laughs> what have I got to lose here? If they want me, they want me. Yeah, sure. We'll do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This thing, this, this answer, you shall receive things real. Listen, yes. And that's when I started to really understand the power of manifestation and the power of really understanding your value and your worth and knowing that at the end of the day, whatever's meant for you will not pass you, right? Whatever's meant for you will not miss you. You may have to jump through a million hurdles. You may have to go up, down, left, right, around the corner, whichever path you take. But what will land will land. So I said, listen, sis, I'm definitely in Miami having a great time. I'm going to continue having a great time. So I'll catch you on the other side when, <laughs> when I'm back. And interestingly now, so this is this is the gap. So got back to England, started the job, and then they said, Oh yeah, by the way, about Apple, we actually need a lot more help on TK Maxx. So I'm like, you know, so my dream. What do you mean? TK Maxx? No. Mama loves that shop. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much in it. They got great they great products, wonderful, but the- if you can find your size. Right. Yeah. And the shopping experience. So yeah, they were like, do you know what? We actually are in desperate need of help on TK Maxx. So can you please? And I'm like, but I mean, guys, Apple is why I'm here. And only the reason why I'm here. Anyway, I agreed to do it because I thought, Cara, do you know what? Again, you need stability, you need income. I've got a bigger goal going ahead. So that the income needs to, you know, needs to come steady. So I thought, fine, I'll do that. I accepted that. Then I faced more racism. So when I was in, when I was working on the account, this was pre-COVID, this was 2019. This was just before 2020, right? I think I started there July 2019. So at the time, as a contractor, I was in the office because they, like, you still need to come to the office. Um, working from home wasn't really a thing then, was it? So I'm in the office and then I'm emailing. There's a lady that had, she was basically that client lead. So we, we were all managers of the account. So I was the SEO manager, there was a PPC manager, and then there's a client lead of the account. And so for, for she was kind of responsible for the relationship of the client, right? So I'm emailing her, but she's never met me. Even though we're in the same office, office is very big, again, big company. She's never met me. So I'm emailing, emailing, blah, blah, blah. Come to the point where we have our first client meeting together. So she used to come to the meeting. So I would obviously lead my part. She would lead her parts, whatever. So I'm walking to the meeting room. And I think someone must have stopped me in the corridor I was as I was walking to the meeting room. So I must have walked into the meeting a couple of minutes late because someone was holding me up. I was like, I need to go. I've got a meeting. So when you book a meeting for clients, what you can do is you can book, you know, refreshments, tea, coffee, biscuits. If it's lunchtime, sometime lunch, blah, blah. I think this was a morning 
meeting. So I think they must have ordered like tea, coffee and pastries and all the rest of it. So I walk into the meeting room now and everybody's in the, everyone's in the room. Clients there, I hadn't met the client face-to-face yet either because I was quite new to the role. Everyone else just emailing because we didn't do video calls back in the day, didn't it? It was email or... Face-to-face, yeah. Right. So I walk in, everyone sat down to this woman now, the client lead, who works at the same company that I work for, right? I walk in and she's like, oh, no, no, we don't need any water. So I'm like... Wow, I'm not the help. (laughs) Right. Oh, and before I need to make it clear. So I was, by the time I was there, they promoted me quite quickly to be a director. So I've obviously then reached that goal, right? So I walk in now. She's like, oh yeah, we don't need any water. So I'm looking around and I'm like, this, this, this heifer talking to me. Like, what? <laughs> Say what? And then everyone's, again, I'm the only black in the village. So I'm, all these faces are looking at me and they're all like, they start to go red. So I'm like, excuse me? She's like, oh, yeah, no, no, we're fine. We don't need any water. We've got everything that we need. We're just waiting for um, the SEO director. I said, huh, okay. And I'm like, that's me. And she's like, oh. Um, and then she goes, I've never, she's red as my top, right? She went, <laughs> she, went, she went very red. But so she made that comment. And then I'm like, yeah, that's me. And she goes, oh, um, oh, so sorry. because." Uh, and then she starts doing all this beatboxing nonsense. And I said, Anyway, shall we begin? Because I, it was my meeting, right? I'm leading the meeting. It was an SEO meeting for us to run through the strategy that I've set for them and so forth. So yeah, so that was interesting. That was interesting. But yeah, then I did that for seven months. And then Jan 2020, they were like, look, we want to give you the Apple account. No, 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 I'm lying. I had more issues with her and she basically didn't like, she just felt a lot of pressure working with me and resistance working with me basically I came in to actually show them how to really do things she didn't really understand the channel she was leading all the channels but she didn't really understand what she was doing so I come in as an expert and actually start showing them what should be done it's obviously starting to show holes or pick holes in her profile of who she is and how she gets around so she didn't like working with me because she's like oh who's this girl little girl because I don't look my age so they think I'm younger who's this little girl coming to show me up and show me show people that I don't know how to do my job so she basically asks for me to be removed off the account so I'm like okay (laughs) I don't understand how that works how how can someone of your stature be asked to be removed Mm. if you're able to tell them more things about their job role and be more effective with it Mm-hmm. which will only generate more income mm-hmm. or revenue. Mm-hmm. So, do you see the privilege? you see the privilege that they have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what she did was, she said so the client equally didn't like me because I, again, showed them that they also weren't understanding what they were doing. So her and the client were very pally-pally. She basically worked with the client and the, she technically got the client to request for me to be removed and they put it down to a personality clash. So I said, hold on a minute, let me get, so my, when my boss came to speak to me, white man, of course he was very like, mm, didn't really know how to say this, very awkward. So I said, let me, let me ask you something, right? You've employed me to do a job, yeah? I do the job. Where does personality come into anything? As far as I'm concerned, that's a personal reason, right? That's a personal excuse. Yeah. He hasn't said anything about what performance I've, I've made them lose or any money that I've made them lose, any revenue, any, you know, customer awareness, any engagement, none of the things that you've employed me to do has she commented on that I've created a lack. So when you're coming to tell me that she's requested for me to be removed off the account of a personality clash, because the first thing you said to me is, oh, I don't want you to take this personal. I said, I, like, I, <laughs> that it's in the words, personal personality, yeah. right? Like, how, how does that make sense? 
So obviously, of course, I'm annoyed, I'm angry, I'm, you know, all of the above. But again, over time, being a black woman in the corporate world, you learn to build a certain level of emotional resilience, right? And a certain level of strength. Because they like to play this narrative because it was, oh, yeah, a bit of a personality clash, you know. You know, sometimes, you know, the way Cara delivers a certain message can be a bit, you know, forceful or it can be a bit aggressive or, you know, it, you know, it can be quite hard hitting. Um, all, all of these things, right? So again, I'm sitting there looking at this man. And at this point, my face is just, I'm just like, <laughs> are we really, is this, is this what we're really doing? And he said, but you know what? He said, I know he, he was like, I understand, you know, I understand. But at the same time, we have to, you know, honor the client and no, no, blah, 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 blah. But he said, what I will do is, and I want you to lead Apple. So I said, oh, so we're back to where the reason why I was here in the first place, right? <laughs> so, oh, okay. Hmm. Okay. So I, I, I see what you did. So you want to come and, you know, throw that in, but then say, but I said, okay, cool. And I said, you know what? I'll accept because of course that was my goal. Right? That's what I really wanted to do. And I said, well, the last laugh will be on her because, you know, Apple was a very highly cherished client for the company, big client, you know, Apple are very particular about everything that goes on with them. So, you know, it was one of them ones. So, so yeah, so I guess my L from being fired and then me going on that journey to where I am now is, you know, wasn't really, it wasn't L, but I turned it into a very great W, as I like to say, a win, because I got the last laugh, right? I won in the end. But yeah, being, <laughs> being a black woman in the corporate world, yeah, it's, <laughs> I could, there's, there's so many other different examples of things that I faced and just comments, comments, remarks, especially now that I'm brain locks. Like there's just this is yeah there's there's a lot of different things and um, that's why I do a lot of the diversity and inclusion work that I do now because I faced so many different blocks or roads of resistance and I don't want the same for you know the next young black girl coming up into the industry not and to be fair I didn't even know what I was doing I was just figuring stuff out and I didn't when I looked and I joined when I worked with all these companies I didn't see anybody that looked like me. So um, and one of the reasons why I joined one of the agencies I don't work for anymore is because at the time the CEO was a black woman. So I said, oh, okay, I need to work here. But if you can understand, I was a junior member at the time. So I'm like, the gap between me and this woman is very wide. Like, why am I not seeing any other black female managers, any other black female directors, any other black female business directors? Like, why am I not seeing that? So within the, the journey that I've taken and all those resistances that I've just mentioned to you, and there's many others as well, I said, no, nah, this this can't run. This can't keep running because, yeah, the the, <laughs> the corporate world is it's not built for us. But I will for for the time that I'm in it, um, because I'm not planning to be in it forever. But for the time that I'm in it, I will try and pay it forward and pave the way and I guess alleviate some of the the setbacks that I faced for other young black women coming up. Because even now, because I've I've left SEO and I've moved into partnerships because I was like, I want to do something different still facing madness with clients and their behavior and I've had to raise certain things and it's just like I wouldn't like guys come on when are we actually gonna have a break have a kick back no you're tired of being tired of always having to go on this resistance like or being on a constant workout session with no respite and you feel like when is my day of rest when when do I get a time to just knock back some chocolate milk let my muscles get the strength to go again mm-hmm. at a moment it's just Go, 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 go. And it's relentless. Mm. But that does sound, that sounds a bit of a roller coaster in terms of what you've done. And I'd like to think a lot of people have done things like that to achieve what they wanted to achieve. If they're fortunate enough to achieve it already, and if they're not, they're on the pathway of getting there. So 
yes, we know this, this, the, the most straightforward point of getting any destination from point A to point B is a straight line, but life don't roll like that. Sometimes you just got to go wherever you can go as long as you're making progression. So if it means you've got to go far left to then go two steps to the right and then go left again, whatever shimming you got to do to get to that destination, do what needs to be done because you ain't going to get there otherwise. You can sit there waiting for that one bus that takes you straight there. Sometimes you've got to take them hopper buses that will take you down the back streets and all around, all around the houses. Just do what you need to do to get to where you need to get to. And I'm grateful to hear that you managed to get there, but it's heart-wrenching still hearing you going through what you went through. Mm. And if we can go back to, because guys, girls, who however you identify, the second L that Carl always talk about was navigating the corporate world as a black woman. Now, that is what she alluded to in the latter part of what she said. We will go on to that. But I just want to tackle a couple of things. So I'm really interested to know how you handle those situations. Because for me, I've suffered racism. I'm still kind of at the moment, as it's being recorded, I've still got issues with certain things that have been said to me and how I deal with it is how I deal with it. I'm a nice guy. I'm an easygoing guy. But cross me. And the same reason why you like me working for you is the reason why you're going to hate doing what you did to me because I'm going to call out all your flaws because I'm going to carry that same energy from my job Mm. to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can be misunderstood that I might come across a bit excitable in what I say. I might be passionate in what I say. I'm eloquent in what I say, Mm. but I am seen as an aggressive person, especially because of my height and my stature. Oh, you're being aggressive. No, it's, it's your unconscious bias that makes you think I'm being aggressive. That's what that is. But it's very hard to pinpoint racism because in my head, racism is so subjective, depending on your upbringing, the cultures, the exposure, everything like that. And the microaggressions just chisel away at you. They feel like for everyone that don't know what a microaggression is, it's when people might say, oh, you're late. Ah, oh, you guys are all that late, aren't you? So what? Oh, can I touch your hair and stuff like that? Or, you know, I just got to touch your hair or, oh, you like chicken, don't you? Like those things are microaggressions. They're things that are stereotyped, but you're just putting it on us without, without treating us as an individual. You're just lumping us together as whatever it is you see us as. But I want to ask you a question. So when you was younger, come out of university, starting your first job in corporate world oh. and You've been eloquent enough to say, hey, can my family get this because my eyesight's golden? I don't need it. Can my family get it? Because you're hooking up your mum. You know what I mean? Why not mumsy? I don't want to just take liberties and go do it straight off the bat. I want to run it past my senior. If they're my senior, they're in a senior position for a reason because they know their stuff. Mm -hmm. Let me go to them. Mm -hmm. Calm. You can do it. Mm. Sound. Go do it. Hold up. Why are there so many people in here? There's just me one here to Mm -hmm. defend myself. Mm-hmm. they go through they've got to go through you're then being told that you went to the wrong person that would have spun me thinking but you put them in that position so why are you telling me it's the wrong person then you need to go yeah. fire them or train mm-hmm. them up mm-hmm. how did how did that impact you because I've personally been through a similar situation mm. but how did that impact you mentally because I would imagine that the person you are and again correct me if I'm wrong the person you were before experiencing that meeting mm may have been a very different version of this person that was after that meeting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's so many layers, to be honest. The first thing, of course, I wanted to knock all of them out because I said, how dare you? Like, how, how, how dare you 
put me in that position as a young girl. Remember, I'm young, don't really have much experience in the corporate world. I guess this was my first job. Before that, I had jobs, but like retail jobs and so forth. I just thought, how dare you? The South London in me wanted to come out and put it away. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being real. The South London wanted to come out. And then I thought, do you know what? And this is this is one of the things I try to explain when I speak to white colleagues or white counterparts about how we have, there's so many different thought processes we go through in 10 seconds to understand how we know we can and cannot react. Yeah. Because let's understand, if I started to move with my South London self, I would have got arrested. Let's keep it real. Right. Or if I, if I wanted to act on emotion and be passionate as they like to turn into aggression, right. If I wanted to act on emotion, police probably would have been called because again, I would have been speaking from a certain tone. So I had to think of all these different things within 10 seconds and be like, Cara, do you know what? Remain calm. Keep your poker face. Do not be angry. Do not show any type of emotion. Listen to what they're saying and then go seek advice, which is why I then went to sit. Obviously, first thing I did to call my mum, mum, my Cody, shout out mummy. Like, first thing I did was call her. And then I then decided to seek legal advice and, and go to Citizens Advice Bureau. But, and it's funny because that woman, now that I look back on it, that woman that set me up, she's still working there. So I'm like, you haven't even moved on in life. This is a good, how many years ago? You're still working in the same set. I don't knock anybody's hustle. Let's not get it twisted. I don't knock anybody's hustle. I don't knock anybody's career choices. But you're a big grown woman, yeah? Because you were older than me at the time and you're still working in the same position. So you haven't progressed. So you see karma? Karma is real, right? Because you, you set me up and you did what you did. And I've progressed how many times over since then, right? Yeah. In, for my personal, obviously, some people may look at me and may not think I'm winning. For what I'm doing, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm at. And this isn't the end for me, but I've definitely moved on from then, right? So for me, yeah, like so many different thought processes are going through my head and I really had to understand how to react. In the same with the other positions, and it's funny because I remember when I was younger and I used to come home from school and I used to call my mum and she used to answer the telephone in a certain way. I'm like, why is someone talking like that? She don't talk at home like this. So <laughs> she'd be like, oh, hello. And I'd be like, mum. And she'd be like, oh, I'm at work. I'll speak to you later. And I'm like, huh? And then she'd come home and that's the first time I understood what co-switching meant, right? Because we all do it. Like, we all do this in the corporate world, right? So I, I remember I asked her one day, I said, Mum, why do you talk like that when you're at work? Because when you're at home, that's not how you talk, yeah? Mum's from St. Vincent. Like, that's not how you speak. And then she explained to me there's certain ways that we have to, you know, position ourselves, come across in the corporate world, certain ways we can and can't do certain things. And I said, what do you mean? What? Uh? Again, of course, not naive, but I hadn't experienced the corporate world because what people don't understand, there's there's many different ways you can, you know, make a career, make a living. You can run your own business. Even running your own business as a black person, we face resistance wherever we go, but there's different levels. But in the corporate world, it's a different type of situation because let's be honest, it's a white man's world in the corporate world. Like it's actually a white man's world before it's anybody else's world. Even white women, obviously they're different, but when you're a woman in the corporate world, period, it's a different type of game. But if you're a white man in the, in, in, in the corporate world, then <laughs> it's, it's a different type of flex. And I think one of the ways that I got through it, and I guess how I progressed is I understood with all the microaggressions that you're mentioning and, you know, all the unconscious bias and all these kind of things, I understood that they actually just fear us. They fear us and they fear our power because they understand Oh, you know, it's like poking a bear, right? You poke a bear so many times, they throw all these microaggressions at us, they throw this unconscious bias, they poke us. And I'm like, why is this person not breaking? Because I'll be honest with you, if you was doing that to somebody else from a different culture, it wouldn't fly the same. The tears would start flowing, everything else would start flowing, they'd start crying, victim, screaming, yelling, da 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 da. We just get on with it. 
and we get on with it one because we know how we're being perceived so we've got to make sure we don't come across in the and act as the stereotypes that they portray being aggressive being emotional blah 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 but the other side of it is we're just built different and I was having this conversation with someone the other day and I was talking about if we collectively and another reason why I do what I do in, in the diversity and inclusion space is if we collectively come together yeah and we really take over this corporate world everybody's finished because we have a certain level of resilience and we have a certain level of like even before that we're very talented people right like we're very talented I don't want to get into all the stuff that we've invented and what they've stolen from us let's not even start that conversation but like we are very talented people and we are very we're very driven and we know how to get what we want to get to we know how like you said like you know whatever path you have to take we think like we always figure it out so I've realized we're working in the corporate world because when I see the way certain people look at me in the minute, oh, you did that. Oh, how did you? You and I'm like, why is it what me? Why are you not talking about Satya over there? Like, why <laughs> what's that why? But I get it because you fear us and you understand really, and I think the real reason why they poke at us so much, like they poke in the bed and they prod at us is because they know if the minute they let us do what we really want to do, everybody's finished. Because they like they fear, they fear the amount of power that we can bring and how we come. And that's why when I speak to certain of my other black colleagues and, you know, there's certain of us in the company that I'm at now, they've got a long way to go, but there are some of us in certain positions, right? And one of my friends actually just left to become a CEO of another company. So there's, there's progress being made, but there's still a lot more to be done. And I was like, if we really do this thing together and we really make like break down doors and break down barriers, then it's over. But did you think like that at the time, though? Because I'm thinking you're very eloquent with it now, mm, with your yeah. life experience. Mm. But then I'm thinking head scrambled, mm. like emotions all over the place. No, oh, yeah. At the time, I was a mess. Like, I think when that meeting happened, I walked out and I sat in my car and I cried my eyes out because I didn't know what to do. Because you just been escorted off the premises, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought, I felt so many things. I felt betrayed. I felt deceited. I felt, you know, lied to, like set up. I didn't know what to do. There's all these kind of things. And it's really sad because that same year is the year that my grandma passed. And she passed August 2012. No, August 2012? Yes, August 2012. And this happened months prior. And I remember speaking to her because she had moved back to the Caribbean then. So she's um, from St. Vincent. So my mom's from St. Vincent, my dad's from Barbados, right? So this is my mom's side of the family. And I remember speaking to her, like calling her, telling what happened. And again, she's given me, you know, experiences of what she faced when she came to England. And she used to work for CBS Records. That was oh, Sony really? Records. Yeah, Sony Records before it became Sony Records. She's a record tester. She used to test like all the vinyls that came in and things like that. But she was giving me a lot of advice. And it's crazy because I think as soon as I told, like, I was telling her what everything I was going through and she was sharing all that kind of stuff because, you know, again, I was a mess. I was emotional and she was, I found a lot of peace in talking to her and understanding. And I thought, do you know what? Like, after I was a mess. My head was scrambled. I was, I was spun, especially when I walked in the room and I just saw four white men. I'm thinking, hold on, what, <laughs> what's happening here? I watch movies. This is a setup. So then when I'm speaking to her, I found, I think I, that's when I first kind of found an understanding of what I'm really here to do and what my purpose is. And I may have not figured it out at the time, but I thought, you know what? Grandma came to this country and she went through what she went through. So what you're not going to do is you're not going to make a mockery out of me. Yeah. Because I'm here to do what I need to do for my children, my children's children and for my ancestors, because you can't like, you can't keep getting away with this. Right. Obviously when grandma came, it was a different, it was, it wasn't even micro. It was very blatant. Yeah. They've got better over the years about how to mask it and, but they still 
understand how much power we have. So when I spoke to her and she started to just give me some insight into what she dealt with and she, I guess she, she just started speaking life into me and then she felt sick. But to this day, she felt, she passed August 18th, 2012. And when I started mother care, I started mother care on the 20th. So my first day was wow. two days after, right? And I remember calling her, I think that week before, whenever I accepted the job. And I firmly, like, one of the things that I think kept me going is I felt like she held on until she knew that I was okay. And she was like, look, you just need to keep going. Like, you just need to keep going. Don't let these people win. You just need to keep going. So when I called her and I told her, grandma, my job, blah, 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 she was really happy. And then she passed, what, six, seven days later. Because she was holding out for, just to right. make sure her baby was okay. Right. So then I thought, and I went to the job. So, because everyone was like, you can't, like, obviously I was shattered. Grandma was literally like my second mom. I was absolutely all over the place, shattered. And I was like, but I have to go to this job because it's a new job. And I can't, like, you know, I just went through that ridiculousness of being fired. I can't now start a new job and not turn up on my first day. I don't think I had any email or contact for them at the time. I, I can't remember. But I remember going and I told them and the woman, the same woman that said to me, look, whenever you um, work somewhere, if you don't move up, move on after two years, I told her what happened. She said, what are you doing here? Go, like, leave, please. Like, <laughs> she said, we haven't had this role before. We're not going to miss you. Like, with love and respect, we're not, it's not going to be missed. So she said, go do what you need to do. Please come back when you're ready. She didn't put it on the system. She didn't put it down for anything. She just put it as I was there, but I wasn't there. Yeah. And then she had to fly to St. Vincent Bay. My grandma, I think I was there for like two weeks, maybe three weeks. And I came back and did that. But yeah, I think, I think speaking to grandma kind of, grounded me in such a way because I was a mess and I was obviously I was speaking to mom I was speaking to aunties and all the rest of it and my dad and my uncles and whoever like say family members that I confide in but having that conversation with her and one of the reasons why I do what I do and why I haven't given up with my journey is because like I said what you're not going to do is you're not going to make a mockery out of me based on what my ancestors have gone what my grandparents went through and what their parents like all of my ancestors went through to, to come and start a life here because I think, and I have this conversation with my little cousin sometimes, and I'm like, you don't want to complain about this, that, and the third. Do you understand what your grandparents went through? Like, to really build a lot. Do you know how much courage it takes to leave your life and come to a foreign country where they don't want you? They make it very clear that they don't want you. And to start doing jobs that other people don't want to do, and you don't even get credit for it, and you, you get treated the way you get treated. But they persevered because they saw the vision of, how their children will be and how their kids' kids and their kids and how will, and by the time we get to it. Cause let's be honest, the jobs that we do now, they would never think of doing. They would never ever think of understanding how to do that. But I said, so no, I said, no, 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 no. Well, you're, you're not going to come and make a mockery out of me and my family and my legacy and my, and my family lineage. Like, no, you're not going to do that. So I think, yeah, having that conversation with grandma kind of, I guess gave me, I can be very tunnel visioned when I'm ready. And I think it gave me that tunnel vision to be like, you know what? You don't can keep poking this bear. I'm going to be emotional. Like, but there was many times, many tears were shed, many bad words were cast, all of it. That like, <laughs> there was all of that. But the, I, I knew where I was going and where I'm going to continue to go. And now I've got a bigger goal than corporate world. I'm not trying to stay in this world forever. And I'm working on something to allow me to remove that. But at the same time, whilst I'm in it, what you're not going to do is you're not going to bully me out of anything because and I've seen it. So when I'm in one of the companies that I'm at now, there's this young black girl that, because we have these different programs and she came through this program, it's like a graduate program and they're supposed to find you a job at the end. So they let you like sample different departments and then Like a graduate scheme sort of thing. Yeah, like grad scheme. And then she was talking to me and she's like, oh yeah, I'm leaving. I said, what do you mean you're leaving? She's like, oh yeah, my program ended today. 
And I said, so are they not supposed to place you? And they goes, oh, yeah, they, they can't find anything suitable for me. I said, what do you mean they can't? Like, what? <laughs> what do you mean they can't find anything suitable for you? And then she said, yeah. And I said, no, oh, baby, I said, baby girl, like, you don't, don't accept, don't accept what they tell you because that's, that's how they win. Like, they're trying to remove you. They're like, don't accept. And she accepted it. And then, yeah, she's gone, she's got a new job now. But I just saw that and I thought, no, see, this is what I mean. Like, you can't just keep allowing them to just remove you. Just, I said, the program is, the program because they're supposed to place you like how are they going to say oh they can't find something for you but they found something for the other three people that were on the program who oh shock horror are not black for me like I said the, the conversation with grandma really helped ground me and, and over the years like I've had that mum solid support system a lot of my family certain my friends as well have kept me focused but yeah this <laughs> this journey the the emotions that I've had to face and I guess confront and understand has not been easy. I can imagine. And did you did you react to it in an unhealthy way, do you think? Uh which one? Still on the first. Still did you did you react to it in an unhealthy way? So come at the meeting, you spoke yeah. to all your family members because personally I don't talk to that many people. Just mm. even though I have connection with a lot of people, I don't just because I know that like yourself, I can have tunnel vision. But if I get if I talk to someone and I kinda understand what they're saying, I run with that foot school of thought. Mm. and then someone else gets involved mm-hmm. and then someone else gets involved that that is that's a recipe for this for yeah. destruction at the point because i'm all over the place i don't have a vocal point at the moment i'm just upset about everything now yeah. because i'm listening to everybody but for you you know you took the information but did you deal with it in an unhealthy way like was you being was dismissive did you sort of i don't know did you go into depression because i know when i went through something like that i did because i basically i was accused of swearing at a job and I don't I don't swear I, I'm mm-hmm. boring like that but mm-hmm. when I walked into a room I had three managers there right uh two white women and a white guy uh yeah. my line manager's cool but no one gave me a heads up or no union rep or anything like that so when mm-hmm. I left I was in so much doubt and eventually went on to being depression I got into mm-hmm. but I, I'm asking like is it something did you go into anything like that I'm, obviously I'm hoping you didn't because it's not a nice place to be ever mm. but did you feel any type of way like, like that or did you sort of get involved with like, cause you went out after you lost your, like you didn't have a job, you still went out. And I'm thinking, yeah. are you in denial mm-hmm. that you just, that you, that was your coping mechanism. It was like, I ain't going to act like I ain't got no job. I'm yeah. going to still do me because yeah. that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was exactly that. So me going out, so me reacting in that way, me going out and me, you know, living this rock star life and do whatever was, my coping mechanism and I think me being in denial that this didn't just happen to me and I think it kind of goes back to I guess in our culture we always have to show face and we always have to be seen to be winning at life right we can't really show when we're upset or weak or all that kind of stuff which again me and my sister was talking about the other day how we like that's not how we operate now we want to remove a lot of those generational curses but at the time I'm like oh you know you've got man up got to do all this so yeah I did react badly because like I said when I first when I left bored my eyes up Yes, I spoke to, when I say I spoke to family members, it was very, because I keep myself all very tight. One or two I spoke to. Yeah. And I guess even when my best friend was like, what are you doing? Why are you, I was very dismissive. I was like, I'm just living my life, leave me alone, that kind of thing. So I went through that position of, I guess, probably looking back on it and I was fear because I didn't know what was going to happen. So instead of me, I guess, accepting it for what it was, I just thought, let me just carry on. Life is fine. Life is fine. I was living at home. I didn't, I didn't have no, come on, I won't pay a mortgage or anything like that. So for me to live like a rock star, I, I guess it was just me being silly and me being irresponsible 
and not really accepting what was happening. So yeah, I think I did, I did react badly. And I think looking back on it now, I think a lot of it was, I wouldn't say necessarily I fell into maybe a depression then, but over the years, with all the resistance that I faced, it definitely at one point did make me question my, like my value and my worth. And, and, and I guess be like, is this, like, is this really worth it? Like, what's the point of continuing to push and push and push if they're just going to keep, that's it, poking the bear and prodding the bear. And I had to go through a lot of different healing situations and, you know, therapy. Um, I very much believe in therapy and I had to go through a lot of different stages to understand, you know what? Like I said to you, I had to come to the realization that they just, they fear us. And I said, what you're not going to do is you're not going to make a mockery of me and my ancestors. So I want to push. But it wasn't like, I, like you said, I can speak very eloquently about it now. But back then it was very messy. And I went, I went through so many different things. And I think it, I think it definitely had an impact on, I guess, some, maybe some friendships that I had, maybe some ways I, you know, spoke to certain family members or certain friends or partners or whatever it is, because I guess with, you know, depending on how you navigate your career and what you want, nobody wants to come into a career and do a bad job, right? Everybody wants to be, even without having a job, everybody wants to be accepted, everybody wants to be loved, everybody wants to be liked. So when you're continually faced resistance, especially for nothing other than the color of your skin or for your culture, it will spin your head and it will continually spin your head until you understand and I guess accept a certain part of it where it's like, do you know what? It's not actually you, it's them. And I think when I, one of the biggest lessons that I realized is I can't expect anyone to act. I think I mentioned to you when we were speaking before, I can't expect me in anybody else. Yeah. And I think that's one of the hardest lessons, but one of the biggest pivotal turning points that I went through with going through all of this stuff. I realized that I can't, ex- I can't expect anyone to be me. I am me and I can't expect anyone to behave like me. And equally, I also learned that nine times out of 10, probably 9.9999, times out of 10 people treat you from the place that they're operating at so when you know whatever racism I face what you face they're always coming from I believe a place of lack of what they're lacking because they see something in us that they don't have and they envy it so then they think oh I'm just gonna make them because you know misery loves company right they're just gonna be like wow he's he's really well he's really he's really like you know he's really into what he's doing he's got a lot of passion but oh I'm just gonna tell him he's aggressive or you know, she's really, you know, she's really, she really knows her stuff, but I'm just going to tell them that I don't want to work with her because it's a personality clash or whatever it is that they're always finding something within themselves and they want to deflect it or they want to push it on us. Yeah. And that's another thing that I've had to learn when I think, you know what, most of the time, unless I know I've actually gone out of my way to do something to someone, to annoy someone, to badmouth someone or whatever, most of the time if someone's coming to me and treat me a certain way, it's because of how they feel about themselves not because of necessarily what I've done. And you feel threatened. And that's not my problem. <laughs> that's actually not my, that's that's a you problem, babes. It's always a you problem. It's not a me problem. If you want to come and say, do you know what, Cara? I didn't like when you did this. I had an issue with the way you spoke to me, the way you treated me. We can talk. That's no problem. But when you're coming to treat me a certain way or you're coming to remove me from something or you're coming to try and treat me a certain way just because of how you feel, because you're threatened by me, babes, that's not my problem. It's absolutely not, it's not my problem. And one of the, when I had that conversation with grandma and she was saying things to me, like, don't let anybody belittle you or don't let anybody define who you are, understand who you are, know your power, walk in your power, walk in your truth. And, you know, so there's certain, when I was facing certain things in my journey and like I said, I'm still facing to this day in big, big 2023, right? <laughs> I'm still facing certain things with certain clients. And that's what I hear. 
And I think that's partly what keeps me going, as well as, like I said, trying to pay it forward and create a certain path for, you know, other young black girls, particularly, because obviously that's how I identify as a black woman coming up in that, in that corporate world to understand there's certain things. It's just not okay. Yeah. And I get that. It's, it's not okay. Especially because I don't look my age as well. So I faced the issue of being a black woman. And then some, I remember when I went to a meeting in Selfridges one time, big board meeting full of white men, suited and booted. I walk in and they're looking at me and they're like, it's this little girl. And they're, talking, they're again, oh yeah, we're just waiting for the SEO director. I was, I was so, here we go. So I'm like, that yeah. must have got boring very quickly. Very boring, like very boring. To the point where sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, really, where is she? Just let me look for her. I started playing on it because I was like, this is ridiculous. I said, oh yeah, let's see if I can call her. Like I was, I would just take the mix sometimes. I remember walking in and it was a big, it was a big meeting. I think it was one of their, Chris, one of their Christmas strategy something, which is where they have a lot of the board guys there. And I remember I sat down and they were all very sternly sitting there, let arms crossed, looking all, you know, like, oh, what do you know? And then I remember as soon as I started talking and walking them through, I said, this is what we're going to do. Everyone kind of sat back in their chair and started relaxing and their body language changed because they didn't realise what I was speaking about. But it's like, why does it have to take for me to prove myself before you have to accept that? Like, why can't I not just like, when, like, let's be honest, we, don't, we can't hide our blackness. You walk into our room, it's very obvious, yeah? Very obvious. Walk into the room. Oh yeah, there's a black man. There's a black woman. It's very. We can't hide it. So as soon as you walk in, before I've even taken another breath, you're already prejudging me. And then I have to speak and show you. Oh wow, she speaks English. I've had that comment. Oh, you speak really good English. So what? <laughs> I've had that comment, and they're like, Oh wow, you're really, you're really eloquent in the way you, you know, the way you talk. Well, you know, I've read some of your emails. Very well written. And I'm like, Wow. And I'm and I'm like again. Part of me is like microaggression. <laughs> again, I'm like, if this if this heifer don't move from my face right now, like, how dare you? And it's like, it's just that, and it's that constant. And if you don't, for me, I'm very grateful for the support system that I have around me. And I guess being able to be in a place where now wasn't back then. Like a lot of the time, I would hear these things, and I'd be like, oh, can I can I write well? Or can like you know these things infiltrate because they do. And that's another reason why I do what I do and why I'm pushing what I do within. So within the company that I work for now, I lead the Black Empowerment or Black Employee, they call it ERGs, Employee Resource Group, whatever. I lead that for the company and I'm always pushing certain things. And I work with one of my colleagues, Shay, and we develop something that's particularly just for Black employees to be able to, one, just have a time where we all come together and celebrate each other within the workspace. And two, just to see what opportunities can be created. And I'm trying to push certain things through HR and stuff because I'm thinking, like, just give us a break. <laughs> like, not every day try and chip away at us from a mental standpoint or try and info because the subconscious is real. And for me, if I don't do certain things to take care of my mental, those things can infiltrate. And and I know that not everybody is of that stature. So again, I do what I do in the hope that if they do that to somebody else, so like that young girl saying that left, she was, I could see, I could see in her face how she was broken by them when she was like, oh, they haven't found anywhere for me. I'm not good enough. And I'm not this and I'm not that. And I'm like, baby girl, like, come on, this is not, like, but I get at the same point, not everybody has that same resistance. And I'm only in this position now because I'm 11 years deep. This didn't happen overnight. When in the beginning, I was that same young, scared girl that was like, oh, maybe I'm not just the one. Maybe I should just go and do something menial, whatever that is. Like, again, I don't knock anybody's hustle, but for what I wanted to do, I was considering just going and, I don't know, stacking shelves or whatever. Again, for anyone that does that, not knocking it. But I had bigger goals and bigger dreams, but there was periods of times where I was being like, maybe I should just sit in the corner and quiet myself. 
<laughs> and not do anything because they like they make comments like that and I'm just like it made you not feel welcome yeah they make you or wanted right they make you not feel welcome they make you feel like you're not worthy they make you feel like you know just because it's you or oh has that happened to all of you I've had all these sorts of comments all of who bro we're human isn't it last time I checked if I cut you you bleed if you cut me I bleed yeah but if you cut them that's aggressive so <laughs> 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 we need to be careful now. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, it's honestly this world that we live in in big 2023. And I said, I'm still facing certain things. And it's funny because my boss at the moment, he's a white man and I'm having an issue with a particular client, right? And he said to me, he said, do you know what I realized? He said, I've been trying to think about a way to say this, but he said, do you know what I realized? I realized if you were, or if you are a younger version of me, you wouldn't have any issues. I said, I'm glad you realized. And I'm glad you understand. He told me the story of when he was, I think when he first started in his career, he had a boss and he, I don't know, back then, whatever hairstyle was in fashion. He said that he had his hair in a particular way and his boss used to always take the, like, used to mock him for his hairstyle. And he said it really, really annoyed him. So I think his boss was a lot older than him. So his boss used to always make a comment about his hairstyle or whatever and whatever. And he said it really irritated him. And he said, him on that level, he knows it's nowhere near as what we face. But he said that really, really, to this day, had an impact on him and really annoyed him. So he said he doesn't understand how we deal with it because he said all he wanted to do was to knock this man out. And I said, yeah, so I'm glad you understand because we have this on a daily. I've had this, bit, like I said, I'm growing lots at the moment. I've had all sorts of comments, even before I was growing lots because my hair's really curly. Like you just have, oh, can I, oh, your hair, oh, your hair's this, and I don't know, can I touch it? No, I'm not a specimen. This is not science. This is not, you know, we're not under a telescope. <laughs> like, I've, I've had someone touch my son's hair. Oh. He was at a fireworks display and they had the audacity to walk past mm. and ruffle his hair mm. and go, oh, I just had to. Mm-mm. No, you didn't. Because, yeah, you might like hair, mm. but he ain't a dog, right? And if it was a dog, I'd probably want to bite you at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to do it. I don't want anyone to say to my son. It's like, what am I meant to say? I'm not Gok One. He says, oh, I like breath. Let me go grab people's breath. I can't be doing that. So why are you touching people's hair like that? Like, behave yourself. What? But people don't understand. And I personally think it's probably, because it's so constant, mm. we unfortunately become hardened to it, whether we want to or not. And sometimes within our own culture, we do it to each other to the point where we're toughening each other up, subconsciously and consciously, mm. to mentally say, like, boy, trust me, if you think the digs I'm giving you now are hard, wait until it stops you from getting your job. Right. Wait until it stops you getting that promotion. Wait until you realise you can't react to anything other than, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and just keep walking because anything else is aggression. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the bad thing. I'll ask this question then because I know you said it's a W and you won, but was there anything else you gained from it, would you say, outside of the word W in terms of a win? from going through that those experiences i think the level of emotional resilience and and mental strength and growth that i've had to be honest with you i don't think i would be who i am today if i didn't experience what i've experienced and i think now i'm i'm more equipped to deal with certain situations in a more healthier way because i've had to endure such resistance and for a better word some traumas that i've had to face like i've mentioned therapy before and i think for me I look at all these people that want to, you know, poke the bear and, and do the rest of it. And I, and I'm not, I'm, I don't judge anybody. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but I look at them and I see certain things that are battling with. And I'm like, if you actually just really go within 
and understand why you behave the way you behave or understand or challenge whatever teachings you've had passed down. Because let's be honest, some, uh, it's, it's learned behavior, right? It comes from yeah. generations before and, and wherever and else. So I think a lot of people are just, the amount of people that lack self-awareness now really amazes me. And I think the biggest thing that I've got out of it is I'm very self-aware, but I don't think I would have been had I not have been, if I just went through and cozied through life and be like, oh yeah, I got this job today, no, no issues, no one questioned, no one did anything, here you go, here's a promotion, here's this pay rise, blah, 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 blah. If I didn't have any of what I've been through now, I don't think I would be where I am and I don't think I would be as self-aware and I don't think I would be as conscious to, I mean, work aside, I've also had, you know, a lot of personal traumas and I've, you know, gone through grief and like I mentioned, my grandma and there's other people that I've lost in my life as well, very close to me. So I've had to work on that side of things in terms of just, you know, my mental health and my emotional health and understanding how to really process emotions. But with the corporate world, because let's be honest, you spend more time at work than you do at home at this moment. I think, yeah, me, I think the biggest thing that I've got out of it is really like really honing in on who I am and understanding who I am before anybody else and removing any external validation. I think that's a lot of what the corporate world is, right? You look for that external validation. You look for that promotion. You look for that, oh, well done, well done, pat on the back. Same as school, right? You look for that gold sticker or whatever it was. And I think me going through all of this made me understand who I am, irrespective of anyone or any job or anything or whoever it is. So yeah, I think that's 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 been the biggest, I think the biggest and the best, to be honest. Like a win in terms of, well, you know, I've made progression. I'm where I'm at, well, I guess I'm in, I'm in a good job. I'm grateful, especially in this climate. But I think that for me is one of the, yeah, what, the best thing that I've got out of it. Because like I said in the beginning to your question before about how I reacted, wasn't healthy the way I reacted but because I've experienced what I've experienced now and I've had to go through certain things it's allowed me to go within and really like really really go within and 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 look at myself also in where because I think it's one thing to be self-aware but I had to look at where I may have done something not because there's no one deserves to be treated the way that these people treat us but I had to look at certain things that I did and understand actually where I could have maybe done something better or where I could have maybe, you know, where there was more room for me to grow in this area or that, whatever it is. Like I, there was, I did a lot of inner work and it's very ugly. It's very ugly. It's very like, again, went through all the different emotions. But yeah, I think, I think that was the biggest thing for me, just really being able to understand what part I played and how I can continue to move forward with my best foot forward and the best version of myself and know how to react a lot better because to this day, I still want to, you know, give them a certain type of reaction, but we can't. Yeah. But, and I think as well, the level of acceptance as well has grown because before I'd be like, yeah, but, and then I'd be like, no, Carl, you can't do that. But understanding why I can't and understanding how to win above them. So it's one thing to accept that we can't act a certain way, but then understanding, okay, but I'm going to deal with you in this way because this is actually really how to deal with you. And again, it goes back to the conversation I had with my grandma when she said, listen, don't do this and don't do that, but actually hit them here or hit them there or, you know, just keep winning and, and just keep myself protected. Like, you know, God is at the center of everything that I do. And on top of that as well, I'm very, I'm very spiritually aware. So there's, you know, I, I, I do what I need to do to allow myself to walk through this corporate world 
wouldn't say unharmed because they will do what they do, but just knowing how to to be armored up at all times and 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 face what I need to face. You might knock you to your knees, but it don't make you fall down to the point where you don't want to get yourself back up again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, like so that's that's why I do what I do with you know the diversity inclusion work that I that I do and continue to do, and I've been. You know, blessed and grateful to sit on certain panels and share certain stories. I work very closely with Sefas Williams. I don't know if you know him, but he runs the BBN, the Black British Network. And yeah, he's he's a pioneer for everything that he does. And like me being in the position that I'm in as well, I think another win has allowed me to, I guess, turn my experience and my story into helping others. But then that's also allowed me to be connected to a massive network of other people out there that has allowed me to then actually really make the impact that I want to make. And that's something I've got to ask you because where you'd gone through what you'd gone through and you're talking about paying it forward, mm-hmm. if you was just knocking out all these W's all the time, mm. climbing that corporate ladder, you might have been, and I don't know if this is the case, I might have missed it, but that black lady you said that was so high up and you weren't there, there weren't that many black people between it. Mm-hmm. Potentially it could have been she was copying all these W's and never saw that there was resistance so that she she didn't see a need to look out for other people that look like her to try and help them mm. come through the ranks. Mm-hmm. But because you've been through it and you've had that conversation with your grandma, understanding the sacrifice people made, saying, I'm uprooting from where I was, going to where I'm going to, doing all these dirty jobs, carving out a space for me and mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put them through school. I'm going to make sure they have the best life possible for themselves. Not necessarily from their childhood. I'll do the best I can there, mm. but I'm going to make sure they're well equipped to make their own life as best as possible. Yeah. And you've used that to sort of pay for, to continue that. That for me was like, yes, you probably wouldn't be doing DNI right now if mm. you hadn't gone through what you've gone through. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll ask you this question. If I don't know when you were at your worst mm-hmm. in terms of what you'd gone through in, in this conversation, but what would you have said to yourself to help you? turn the corner to say you pump the brakes come on now you need to can't bear your head in the sand no more or whatever you got to say what would you say to your younger self knowing then what you know now I think I'd say mm, it's a hard one so it's, I always find it difficult because I know what I know now and I know how I felt then but I think I would say think about the impact that you can have for others not just yourself I think I would say that because now I know the impact that I'm able to have. So yeah, if I didn't go through some of the things that I'm going through now, I probably, I, I don't know, I probably would still do the DNI work that I do because I'm very passionate about me and my people. But I think, I don't think it would have the impact that it's having if I didn't go through what I did. Because I think we always, that like, we always walk from experience, right? We always, everything breeds from experience at the end of the day. Like, if I break my foot, I'm going to sympathize with someone else that breaks their foot because I know the pain. God forbid I never break my foot, please. But like, I think like you go, you're, you are your experience, right? So I think I would back then, I think I would say keep going because think about the impact that you can have for others. It's bigger than you. And I think now I've accepted that what I'm doing is bigger than me. And I think if I accepted it then, then yeah, it would have probably pushed me in even more directions than it than it has now but yeah I think I think that's what I would say do you think you'd have heard yourself though if you said that to yourself do you think young Carl would have been like cool I get you <laughs> yeah let me run with that or is it like get out of my face mm. before I do something to you let me do me and mm-hmm. you go, go you go away no I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't have heard myself but that's what I would have said 
And I think one thing about me as well, even when I was going through certain things, even though I always heard certain things I didn't want to hear, and I may not have listened at the time, but I would listen eventually. So what would have been the best way to communicate that message to you? And the reason I ask this question is because I'm very mindful that we could have the right answers to give someone in a particular situation, but it may not be the right medium to deliver it. So mm. I'm asking you, you know what you'd say to young Kara in that situation just before you kind of, yeah, when you get into your lowest of the low, mm. but how would that information have been presented to you to help you see, right, this is how I need to, this is the best way to communicate to me when I'm in that mood. Mm. So that's difficult, you know. I think first it would be who the message came from. Okay. Because I think back then, and even now to a certain extent, I can be very hard-headed with certain things. I can be very like, no, this is this is what I'm doing and I'm not really interested in what you have to say. So I think back then I think it would be who it came from. And I think the best way to deliver that message probably would have been if I was sat down, probably ever food. I'm a big foodie. Feed me and we can have a conversation. Right. <laughs> so I think if someone yeah, someone sat me down over food and we had a conversation, I probably would listen. Safe to say it's gonna be good food. Always good food. But yeah, I think sat me to be fair, but I I tell that yeah, no, over food. I think even now, even though like I said, I think with me and said I can be very tunnel visioned. And I think once I've made a decision, I've made a decision, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm always open into listening to other perspectives and, and, and understanding, you know, what how things can be seen differently because I actually studied philosophy at uni no correlation to what I'm doing now I know but I studied philosophy at uni and I think a lot of that was down to you know different theories different philosophers you know views opinions theories fallacies all that kind of stuff so yeah and and I think now where I'm at now I'm very open because I think at the end of the day nobody achieves anything by themselves right no man is an island and you're not you're not like there's how many people in the world? Seven billion last time I checked? Probably more now. But there's there's a lot of people in this world. No one has got to anywhere without someone. Whether they want to admit it or not, because there's a lot of people out there that will just act like, oh yeah, it's me, 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 I did all of this. No, you didn't. There's someone in the background, whether it's someone in your ear, whether it's someone helping you physically, whether it's someone helping you emotionally, spirit, whatever it is, like there's someone in your corner, right? And I think for me. Back then, probably didn't want to hear what anybody said, depending on who it was or if he fed me. <laughs> but now, now I'm very open and yeah, like I, and I think it's, I think there's a fine line between someone speaking to you and, and it depends on what place they're coming from again. Cause like I said, there are people that will deflect and they might be like, well, if it was me, I'd do blah, blah, blah. Cause they may be speaking from experience of when it happened to them and they may now, because they didn't get to do it, they want you to do it. So they feel like they can now say, yeah, well, you know, she can do that because I did it and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, now very open, very receptive to whatever anybody else has to say. And then, you know, you have to kind of play it out in the way that it works for yourself. Makes sense. I just, I always find it interesting. Let's assume you and I, besties, you're going through something and I want to deliver some news because I want you to come at this right. I want you to do a 180 and just get back on track. Mm. But how do I get that to you? Because I don't want to, shoot my shot and I miss it and I aggravate you and project you further down to that hole mm-hmm. I want to help you come out of it and that's that, that's one of the things where I find it so important to ask questions like to know 
because we're all different people. We're all, we all got our own ways of receiving information when we're not in the mood to receive information. Yeah. We cope with things in our own ways. And a lot of times it's unhealthy because it's, I guess when we don't have control over a certain situation, we then abuse the control we do have over other situations. So we'll go out and drink, we'll go out and drive fast, we'll go out and do whatever because yeah. we feel like I'm in control of this. And I promise you, when I can't remember if I've even said this before, but when I found out I was having twins, I think for the next several days driving to work, which is about 15 miles away from where I live, I would drive really fast. Mm. And that's because I was trying to, and I, I identified it very, very quickly. I was trying to reclaim control because yeah. I knew that my time was no longer my own. My yeah. time was now for my family because of the size of the family. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't, I was like, oh, I just want to get somewhere fast. Do you know what happened? I got stuck behind people that were just driving super slow. <laughs> I'm talking about slower than the speed limit for that road yeah. and then they were in both lanes on the dual carriageway just like mm -hmm. right, cool I'm I'm being taught to just learn patience what do I do now I'll have my twins screaming at the same time I'll have my <laughs> eldest ask me 64 questions yeah. and do you know what I just do okay because mm -hmm. that kind of taught me as much as I wanted to go at a certain pace mm -hmm. It's, life don't run like that I have to, <laughs> I'm capped I have to now do it at a different pace and it's a lesson I didn't necessarily want to learn but I am learning about it and life unfortunately will teach you lessons that you may not want to learn or want to experience but if you have and I have said this before you can't add a filter to your life yeah but you can change your perspective you can change your mentality and that is so powerful because once you change your perspective of how you see things mm. and these are one of the big things i see at the moment is like life then doesn't happen to you happens for you yep and if you have the wrong mentality you will always see yourself as the victim you will always see it as a problem mm -hmm. and for some people, some things that you that you go through, you forever and a day see it as something negative. And I know I've got a few things in my head I'm thinking of that I'll consider them being, but I would like to think if you develop a different attitude about it, rightly or wrongly, you could find a positive of it where someone else might benefit from your experience of that negative situation. So it is is horrible um, bad things happen to good people G good things happen to bad people it sucks mm -hmm. but that's life yeah and i'm sorry to hear what all the stuff you've gone through because that's absolutely horrible but i'm hoping through what you've gone through from what you shared that people can see that someone who started at such a entry-level position mm. managed to climb a ladder get treated such a way and bear in mind, we've already spoken a couple of times mm -hmm. and you and I can at least identify with times we've been invited into a room yeah. with a whole heap of managers that and we had no representation yeah. and we've been accused of things that we hadn't done because when I got accused of what I got done, it was like, oh, you swore. Mm. I don't swear. Mm. Like everyone knows I've worked it for like half many years and no one's heard me swear. Yeah. Yet you're calling me out on this. And then they're telling me, oh, we've got to do an investigation, but it's going to be this stage. Mm. How are you going to tell me what the stage is going to be if the investigation ain't been done yet? Which means it's been set up. Yep. Premeditated. Yeah. So all of this stuff was just there. And I remember even when I left that company, the guy who told me what stage I was going to get, which didn't happen, by the way, it got thrown out because they're saying, what well, they like me about my job because I'm meticulous. Yeah. I called them out. Everything they didn't do, it was the time skills, everything. And it's like, yeah, um, yeah, you can come back to work. 
<laughs> but yeah, but when I left, the guy said to me, you're an interesting person. Mm. What type of microaggression is that where you're calling me interested and just leave it like that? How ambiguous do you want to leave a brother just sitting there going, yeah. what the hell do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So I don't fit in with your box, but that's by and by. That It, it had happened, right? Mm-hmm. But it is, I love the fact that you've done what you've done. You've shared so much stuff where people can learn to say, yo, I may not bounce every two years, but that's at least a good barometer to work off to say, why am I spending more time than I need to? Because what loyalty do I have to them if they don't have the loyalty to me? Because in theory, if they're not going to promote me in two years, Mm. it's not necessarily that you're not good enough. It's just that you then got a question, are they even mentoring me? Mm. Do they not see the potential in me to do better? Because when all said and done and COVID showed this, when a company wants to save its skin, they have a conversation with you and it'll be like them breakup ones where it's like, it's not you, it's me. I want to go this way and you're not coming with me. Yeah. But I can change. Yeah, I don't want you to change because I'm going in a different direction now. I want something different. Mm-hmm. And you've done everything right. You stood by them through thick and thin, not taking any annual leave or sick leave for how many years. But they're like saying, hmm. sorry. And this mm-hmm. is where you've got to be loyal to yourself. 100%. help yourself become the version of yourself you need to be and i i i'm just so excited because I, i'm hearing you talking about you being a director and that stuff and i'll be honest with you i'll be straight with everyone listening for me that position seems unattainable for me in my head i'm that guy who will see a see application nine of the ten things i can do one thing i can't do oh, i can't apply for it you know what i mean That's like, <laughs> but i'm trying i'm working on that i'm working on that yeah yeah but you are showing through adversity, through being the person you are, who is passionate, who is eloquent, but can be misunderstood, Mm -hmm. can hurt. Being a woman is hard. It's like having a glass ceiling. Being a black woman is like having double, triple glazed glass above you. And it's harder. It's like, oh, yeah, it's warmer in here. Yeah, damn right it is. you're trying to break through it you've got to break these norms how can you have your hair how can you dress how you can you present yourself all of this stuff that no one bats an eyelid when it's maybe a white middle-aged man yeah so you are showing that it can be done it takes a long time maybe to get done but you're holding it down you're doing it and it's so it's incredible i'm actually excited for everything you've done because I think I'm still living in the, like the young car sort of mindset. But, <laughs> you know, if you've achieved what you've achieved now and you're able to pay it forward for your DNI work and everything else, yeah. that's going to help so many other people who yet to come through the ranks and not suffer the thing because it's important that we look out for those that look like us. And I don't care whether it could be someone who is a guy, woman, they identify something else. If you see something that you're struggling with, and you can potentially help other people be educated to know that that's not right. Do better. Let me help you. You're going to make that run a hell of a lot easier for the next group of people coming through in that same world, that same sphere. Yeah. So yeah. happy for that. I will ask you, because I'm conscious of time, for the next couple of minutes, I am going to let you selfishly plug anything and everything you've got going on. <laughs> How people can find you. Mm. And yeah, go for it. Well, no, firstly, thank you. And thank you for sharing as well, because I think it it takes a certain level of self-awareness to even share. So when you mentioned, you know, like you think direct level is unattainable. I was once of that mindset as well. And I think it's one thing, I think you have to recognize it before you can work through it. 
because I had to go through that too. And yeah, I don't, I don't play the victim either. I think that just to double back on some of your points, that's one thing I think that's kept me going. I refuse to be the victim. Like I refuse. It's not, I just don't, I just don't do that. But yeah, in terms of everything that I've got going on, to be honest, if you just follow me on Instagram, it's at KM Scribbles. You will see everything. I don't like to talk too much before anything is done, you know, because the power of the tongue is real. Red eye is real. Let's be honest. But yeah, as I mentioned, I am an artist manager, so I manage two artists at the moment, Talisha Inako and Hedy Cassidy. You can find them both in my bio on Instagram. And yeah, in terms of everything I've got going on, like I said, corporate world is one thing. It's not the be and end all. I'm working on a on a um on a business at the moment that's gonna allow me to not have to work so I can do more work for the community and allow me to, you know, continue to, you know, live first of all, live my life with my friends and family my loved ones and then do more paying it forward and being able to help like you said whoever it is however you identify as long as you you know you are of the same community as us like pay it forward and allow you just I just want to be able to show people that number one it's okay and number two you're not alone because I think with me going through what I went through a lot of the time it was very lonely because like I said I didn't have many people to look up to and the woman that I mentioned was a CEO at the time when I looked up to her because of all the work that I've been doing and the way I networked myself I can now speak to her like she's a president of a company now so she's stepped up she's a president of of one of the holding companies that I work for but I I was actually she was a guest because when I was doing um we had a podcast at the company that I'm at now again driving on the black empowerment and she was our first guest and I was like do you see how when I first started, I was looking at her like, how am I going to get there? Especially because she's also from Barbados. I was like, this is all crazy. And then, yeah, I was able to then have her as a guest. But yeah, in terms of everything that I'm co- I've got coming up next, I'm just I'm just here to impact and, and change the world. And let's be honest, this world is very ugly. And I'm, you know, I'm just one person in the world. But by doing what I'm doing and growing the network and continuing to grow the network that I have, I'm very, very committed to making a positive impact for our people. And you did a great job of it. Even if it's just one person that is impacted by what you're doing, that has amazing ripple effects. So keep doing what you're doing. Love it. And yeah, folks, keep going. Question, I know you said you're managing two artists. Do you have capacity for more (laughs) in case anyone's artist and thinking, I need a manager that can bang and Mm, do something? um, Yeah, people always ask me this question. To be honest, I, I can't answer that question. At the moment, capacity is the capacity. If and when there may be an opportunity for, it depends. It's bigger than management for me. So it's a conversation. It's an understanding. It's it's bigger than me to say, yeah, I've got space for five more. Um, so. So basically just slide in the DMs. Right? <laughs> Chances are you go to IG and go, oh, yes, I am. Just slide the DMs anyway, right? See what's going on. Have a convo. See how it runs. And if things can work, it can. If not... I'm sure she'll be able to point you in the right direction at the bare minimum. But no, apps. No, it's okay. it's, for me, as people will see, if you follow me, I say it's always love. I always come from a place of love. So if I can't potentially help in the way that you may want to, I will give you whatever I've got within my capacity. And it's always coming from a place of love. So yeah, at this moment in time, that's the capacity is the capacity. Where I'm planning to get to in my life, I will have a lot more capacity. So it timing. For me, timing is everything, right? So yeah. yeah. Well, that's that sound, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on, share what you shared, 
to let people know how things run or have run for you? Because I'm sure a lot of people can testify to I know my mum would be able to, especially the cold switching type of thing. Although I will say something, someone did challenge me on this. Well, did they challenge me? Or it's an amalgamation of all these conversations I had where the company I work for at the moment, they're, they're trying to encourage people to not be discriminated by their accents. Uh-huh. And I think that's powerful because you have someone who's got like a Mancunian accent and because of how they got the twang, they're not, they're not being heard for what they're saying. They're being heard for how they sound and they're challenging the recruiting managers to not take that into Mm -hmm. account because people hear people that sound like them. So sometimes by you not having that person on the other end of the phone, you're discriminating against the people that could relate to them. And I really like that. Will it actually work? I Mm. don't know, but I like the fact that they're going that way. And when you're thinking, Oh, I've got to dress a certain way, but do you? Because it's that was set up a certain way and we're now just perpetuating it. You I don't want to challenge the status quo just to just for the sake of it. But when you look into it, you think, but why am I doing this? And I said this to you in our conversation before, you know, tradition is peer pressure from dead yeah. people. Facts. So a lot of the time it's like, oh, but it's been tradition to do it. Yeah, but why? What was, what's the, what was the meaning behind doing this thing in the yeah. first place? And is it still relevant today or does it need to be modified accordingly? Yeah. So I do think it's important that we challenge what's going on and to find our space. Yes, cold switching at times can be yeah. important, but I think it's more about reading the room, understand your audience and presenting yourself in a way that best suits the occasion. Eventually you could be in a position where you step in a room, you talk the way you talk, and people have to then move from where they are to where you're at. But until such time, you just got to do a bit of grafting. Just like with any other work, if you're going to go self-employed, you're not going to just jump in and start getting paid jobs. You have to do a couple freebie jobs. Like, let's be, I say a couple, couple hundred maybe, just to get some experience, get your name out there and stuff like that. And then you can start putting the price out for what you're worth. And even when you put it for what it's worth, you know you're really shortchanging yourself because you're worth a lot more than what you're charging. But that's me being me. But, um, yeah, I'm going to wrap up and say thank you again for coming on, sharing what you're sharing, being so inspiring and being encouraging and being real, if I'm honest, because I I, I talk a lot about my personal life. I'm okay with it. A few things. I've got some stuff I'm quite, yeah. But it takes a lot for people to come on and to share what they share in this forum who doesn't know who's going to listen, don't know what, what may come of this, but it is really important for me to get this out. And I think it was today I was kind of thinking, I realised what this podcast mm. is. It's hope. Yeah. It gives people yeah. hope that what they're going through, isn't it? Because a phrase that I absolutely do adore and I live by it and it's saying, nothing about a caterpillar. Today's going to be a yeah. butterfly. And your sticky situation you went through, you pray for, there's nothing good that could come out of this. And here you are, got the most beautiful wings ever, just flapping mm. away soaring high and just making the world a beautiful place so love you love what you're doing love to your family and i'm sure grandma is so so proud of you and everything she done as she planted those seeds and you had this blossoming right now so really happy and all the listeners i hope you've been encouraged hope you feel motivated and if you haven't personally then please look within your circle find someone else that you feel like may benefit from hearing a conversation like this and just share it with them and let them know that maybe what they're going through is a bit hard but it doesn't mean this is where it's going to stop 
they they they're in control of their narrative. They can make it happen. So Kara, wish you all the best. And guys, girls, you know, whoever you are listening, whatever you're doing, take heed that your right now is not your forever, and things can improve if you keep going. Take care of yourself, and I'll catch you in the next one. Every L.